Hello and welcome to episode 11 of the Data Protection Tea Break. In this episode, we'll be discussing the data trail or digital footprint that we leave in our wake when we use technology or smart devices. And uh, we'll be exploring exactly what we mean by that. So what is your digital footprint and what data about yourself are you leaving behind? I'm Tim Lowridge and today I'm again joined by Rachel Marston, the Bailiwick's Deputy Data Protection Commissioner. Rachel, thanks for joining me. Thank you. What are we talking about here? Uh, at first glance, it seems like your digital footprint is an ephemeral thing. That's an unusual word for me to use. Uh, that's hard to visualise and not actually something you can physically see. But actually, it's, that's not the case, is it? No, data is a real tangible thing. You can see it in the data cables running underneath the oceans, the servers in computer rooms, and the banks of machines in sprawling data centres that form the cloud. So data is very much out there and is being used by an awful lot of organisations to sell us things and to provide services to us um, and to keep track of what we're up to. And why does that matter to me? It seems to me like a lot of people are still not bothered by this. Why should we be bothered by that, all that tracking that's going on? Well, you often hear the phrase, um, the innocent have nothing to fear. Um, So why would I be worried about being tracked? But this brings to mind a quote from the great Sir Terry Pratchett, fantasy writer and my inner monologue, as you know, um, who stated that the innocent had everything to fear, mostly from the guilty, but in the longer term, even more from those who say things like, the innocent have nothing to fear. And that's, to some degree, the case here, is that um, as you... Uh, move around the internet, data is being left behind and organisations are using that and do you always know what that's being used for and how that's impacting you um, both at that time or in the future. So give me an example then of what's being left behind. What is it that we do that leaves something behind and what is that that's being left behind? Well the most obvious example is your browsing history. So the things that you're looking at online Maybe it's the news websites you go to, it's the shopping websites you go to. Um, There'll be uh, those websites will be um, tracking you potentially and um, sharing that information with other websites and you may have had that experience where you've looked at an item online for myself it would be something like a dress um, and then you go to another website and the dress is there again and you go to another website and you've got an advert for that dress again um, and sometimes that can be helpful if you've not bought it yet sometimes of course it will be after you've bought it and you find out if you'd gone to a different website then you could have got that web that that item um, cheaper or something like that but that information is being shared around um, and uh, because you're leaving it when you are, are surfing the net because it doesn't seem to matter whether you're let's say, browsing the internet using your mobile device, uh, your tablet, your computer, whether it's in the office or at home. That all of these things are being tracked by cookies. Do you want to talk to a bit more about cookies and other tracking uh, technologies? Yes, yeah, so um, if you're using the same device, then um, the cookies will be left on uh, potentially on, on that device. And when you look at something, um, the cookie will be read again and will potentially point to the same information you've seen before or track that you've looked at flights and you're looking at the same flights again. Um, Anywhere that you need to log in to do anything, so um, an online retailer, for example, where you log into an account, um, it will know what you've looked at and it will know that whether you're on your phone or your um, home PC or any other device and it will share that information. It will be able to access that information from other, those other devices when you you use a different device. Yeah, because you notice it with, I don't know, like YouTube or if you're Netflix or one of the other streaming media um, players, that 
you're on one device and if you go to a different device to continue watching um, then it knows it remembers where you left off and it picks up from that so I guess that's all part of that trail that you're creating is where were you what were you doing when you stopped doing that and and now when you pick it up to to continue to watch the end of the YouTube video for instance yes and that can be helpful so we're not saying that digital footprint is always something that's going to be used against you or it's always something that's bad and there will be benefits to that sort of information being retained by applications or devices and being reused. But the important thing is for people to understand how that's happening, what that means, um, to understand that if you uh, look at a YouTube video, you'll be presented with other similar YouTube videos after that, um, and that that will in some way guide the brow- your browsing history, um, because you'll be being shown similar yeah, because it's kind of, that was an area I wanted to explore a little bit within this podcast is that there's been a lot of um, media attention, I think, uh, around uh, steering people's viewing habits, uh, listening habits on the internet, all these different streaming media um, platforms, where it seems to take you based on your previous viewing or listening habits down these cul-de-sacs into fairly extreme versions of what you started watching. Do you want to sort of touch on that a bit? Yes, well there is the potential for that because it will it will show that you or realize you were interested in something so you may have searched for one topic um a, a band you like um and then it will show you other videos about that band and then it will show you others after that um and perhaps um pick up other aspects of what you've looked at and, and um, give you the uh, maybe a cut down version of what's out there so if you just keep um, clicking the recommended video watching the next recommended video you end up going down potentially a cul-de-sac and not seeing um, the full breadth of what is out there um, and if you understand that then you know oh I'll go back up to the top and I'll search again and find something else but the worrying thing is when people don't understand that is affecting what they're being offered yeah. as soon as they open up the application and that they could be taking them to places. Because it kind of narrows your field of vision, doesn't it? Yes. Which I think you know, could be quite dangerous. It could be in some circumstances, depending on what you're looking at. And you're not getting the opportunity um, straight away to see the breadth of what is out there. You, you're um, being driven and it's being narrowed and that can be unhelpful and it can be dangerous potentially in some circumstances because there's been some speculation about certain companies might be manipulating the situation on purpose and um, potentially yes so there um the case around cambridge analytica and um its links with facebook and political advertising um that if you show an interest in one particular advert that it will show you similar things and you don't then get the view from the other side presented quite as readily as as the one you've maybe shown an interest in Um, and it may be that that's fine for you because that's what you want to see and you're not interested in the other side but it may be you've not made your mind up yet when you're not getting the diversity that there is out there to enable you to be in control of what you're doing you're getting um, content presented to you on the basis of what a computer thinks which ultimately has been programmed by an individual. Because I know that one of the things I think we advocate quite strongly here is to stop and think, you know, rather than just, you know, pressing on the next button, following the next trail, is to just stop and think about where you're going and whether you really want to go down that, in that direction or take a breath of fresh air and, and you know, go and do something, go and make a cup of tea, but, but be distracted by something else rather than go down these cul-de-sacs. Yes, yes, it could be, be useful to just, just take a minute and to understand what is happening. Um, and that's the worry. So it doesn't. If I'm searching for Queen, which is a band I like, and I end up being presented with more Queen content, 
I'm not probably going to be terribly bothered by that, probably going to like it, probably not doing me a huge amount of harm, except I'll bore my um, colleagues at work about it. Um, but in other circumstances, if you're doing a project about something in particular at school, um, and then you just get driven down that road, it might not be that you've consciously made that decision. That might just be because you searched for a, a, a topic you weren't you didn't want to be presented with every time you opened the internet in the future and that that is where it starts to get unhelpful and having a rest having a pause away from that and understanding that's what's happened um can help and sometimes it's difficult to clear that history isn't it that the the, the various different things like you said once you've logged into something then that that history is there so it kind of brings you it tries to drag you back um, I think there's some very interesting books around at the moment as well, which talk, which really discuss that topic in depth. Where you know it's almost like you're being followed by these these things that are trying to constantly sell you the stuff that they've already sold you, or the same holiday that you've already been on, or the you know. Um, and it doesn't seem like artificial intelligence is maybe used being used as intelligently as it could be. No, indeed. And certainly from a personal um, point of view, I do an awful lot of online shopping and I, I will get presented with things that are useful. So other people that, that bought this were interested in this sort of product and that can be quite helpful. Um, obviously, it makes money for the, the organisation that's selling me this stuff, um, but it's helpful to know what else there is out there. Um, but sometimes the algorithms work slightly weirdly and so I will never understand what it is I've bought in the past that meant that I was offered chickpeas as a, a lightning deal um, wouldn't know a chickpea if it you know, came up and, and introduced itself but um, apparently something I'd done had meant that that was presented to me um, so that's also something to, to think about is that the computer doesn't necessarily always get it right or it doesn't always work in a way that you would expect this is kind of big data stuff. We probably need to explore that in another podcast. Indeed, I quite probably. But whilst we we also wanted to talk about on this podcast the Internet of Things, IoT. So, so talk to me a bit about what IoT is. What what does that do in in layman's terms? And you know, we we can talk about the technology that's sitting behind it. But in layman's terms, what is an IoT device? An, an Internet of Things device is a device that you wouldn't traditionally think of as being connected to the Internet. So it is not your uh, mobile phone or a computer. It is some device within your um, house, potentially, that has a link to the to the Internet in order to do certain things. So you can get um, light bulbs that you can switch on before you get home because you can uh, do that from your mobile phone. Um, you can get the devices that mean if somebody rings your doorbell, you can answer it wherever you are on a screen, um, pretend to be at home or not, depending on on who it is at the door. Um, all those sorts of things are Internet of Things devices. So they're um, capturing data about people as well. And then maybe in a way that you don't necessarily realise um, straight away. Yeah, I guess the... the the one that I'm most fascinated by is the fridge monitoring your eating habits. Do you mm-hmm. want to talk a bit about that? Well, yes, you, you can have... Um, well, we'll be moving to the realms of um, Internet of Things fridges, where fridges all understand what it is they have inside them, uh, what you've just taken out, that you're getting down to the last bit of milk and potentially either tell you that you need to buy more milk on your way home or, or helpfully order that in if that's a service that is available wherever you are. Um, and some of that, again, can be something that's helpful. It's really useful to be able to know what you need to buy when you're in the shops. Um, my my personal fear is that it's going to prevent me getting into the cream cakes because it's talking to my 
fitness device that said I haven't done the right number of steps today. Um, but equally, it could be that um, that information may end up in the hands of a health insurance provider who likewise is interested in the fact you haven't done as much exercise as you perhaps claim to and maybe adjust your premiums accordingly. So whilst there are good things about it, it's important to make sure there's boundaries put around that data, how that's going to be used. And if it is going to be shared in a way that you're not expecting, that actually that's brought to your attention and you can make some decisions about that. Yeah, we see that in, I I guess insurance plays a large part in things like uh, car driving habits and black boxes that are in cars that actually monitor how you drive your car, when you drive your car, all these types of things. And I I understand that that will have an impact on the insurance premiums you pay. You know, whether you're out at three o'clock in the morning driving around at excessive speed, that type of thing will all be tracked and and reported back to the insurer and um, but then equally there are benefits if you're a very conscientious driver you never go out after six o'clock at night you know um, you always drive well within the speed limit etc then your premiums can be very low so it's kind of interesting to see both sides of Mm -hmm. that Um, but what can we do to protect ourselves from misuse I think is really where I'm going with this What, what what steps do we need to take to make sure that we are actually in control of our decisions and our, and our destiny. As individuals, it's important um, to understand that these sorts of things are going on. So recognise that there will be data collection and that there may be the potential for this to be shared in a way that you aren't expecting. So take a look at what's going on with the devices, how things are going to be shared, what the purposes are so that you understand. And it might be that, yes, you're perfectly happy with a black box in your car because you get a financial benefit out of it at the other end. And if if you're happy with that, then that is fine. And we're not saying don't ever use these devices because they're evil. They're not. Some of them are going to be very useful, very helpful, and I do an awful lot of online. Because it makes your life very convenient, doesn't it? that's it. But it's important to understand, to know what's going on. So you are in control of that and you are making the decisions rather than the machines doing it. And where do you go to to find out what is being tracked? I mean, how would you do that? Well, um... Uh, organisations that are processing your data should be telling you what's going on. So there should be privacy statements um, that explain what they're using it for, where they might be sending that data. Um, there will be occasions where you need to opt into things or opt out of things. Opt in is preferable, um, and the law would um, is emphasising that um, to a degree now. That uh, you, so that you understand, and so you are doing things. But you need to re- remember that some. Um, of the business models of these organisations is based on them being able to use um, and access the most data possible. Um, So it's important for you to try and and, and deal with that. And I had to look at my own Twitter account the other day to see the sorts of things that... um, it was it had recorded against me as things I was interested in and I spent half an hour going through that list on ticking boxes thinking I only looked at one tweet why would you think I'm interested in that but it was obviously for its business model important for it to to pick up that information and then show me certain things based upon it so my twitter feed's looking a little bit different of late um because I spent some time having a look at um that information yeah because your profile i mean you can normally access any of these platforms you can access your profile and and change those settings so it's always worth having a look at that i think (laughs) yeah i agree so i i understand there's five key points you want us all to remember so do you want to go through those yes so the key points that we're looking at um start with as i say being aware that you're creating this footprint every day and that it may be being searched or shared either um, in real time or for use in the future um and remember that 
we've been talking about Internet of Things devices and browsing history, but also um, when you're using social media, that information or opinions you share, thinking you're sharing them privately, could end up being seen more publicly because somebody else could share them. Um, or because you, you, your uh, privacy settings aren't quite set right. So have a think about that. And with regards to privacy settings, check your privacy settings um, and make sure you're comfortable with them. And you may wish, wish to have quite a wide audience um, able to see your content. You may wish to narrow that, but make sure you're the one that's in control of that. The fourth point would be to respect your data footprint and that of other people. So if you are thinking you don't want certain things done with your data, consider how other people might respond and make sure you check with them before you tag them in posts. And really key is remembering that your data has real value and power to you and to the organisations that want to get their hands on it. Um, so make sure that you're in control and you aren't handing your data over to um, individuals or organisations that you don't trust. So in summary, our digital footprint is really a unique identifier, like a fingerprint. So we need to make sure that, you know, we understand it's unique to us mm -hmm. and it can be used to identify us in the same way as, as other phys physical characteristics and information. So be careful with it. Yes, indeed. Okay, have you got any final messages for our audience? I think it is really not to be afraid of using digital services and platforms. Um, the world is increasingly turning to such things. But um, to remember you have ultimate control over this, um, about whether you decide to use a product or not, about how much information you want to share with these products. So um, engage with it. Um, it will help you get the best out of it and it will make sure that you retain control. Yeah, being in control, that's the important message, I think. Okay, thanks very much, Rachel. Thank you. Um, so in summary, I think... Uh, Hopefully you've enjoyed this podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this or any other related topic. Uh, and please feel free to get in touch with us by emailing communications, that's with an S, at odpa.gg. And of course, don't forget to look out for our next podcast and maybe listen to some of the earlier ones if you haven't already. Uh, thanks for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.